Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. I have to tell you, or I have to admit, let me admit that uh, my mind's a little agitated and aggravated. A lot of people confuse those two words. Agitated is like a washing machine, stirred up, rustled up, and aggravated is frustrated, angry. I'm a mixture of both because I just helped my neighbor take care of some things that uh, the city code enforcement had put a sticker on his door and said that needed to be taken care of. I'm a little aggravated with that is because code enforcement for Fort Worth comes through our neighborhood few and far between, very seldom, unless they're called, unless one of the neighbors call on you, and I've had neighbors call on us, and my neighbor across the street has been called on more frequently than anyone that I can remember. The reason is, or seems to be, that he's of Middle Eastern descent. And I have to admit, I'm assuming it's racial, because... uh, I just have that feeling. No one's actually said it, but he's been the target of more, I don't know, attention than I think is warranted of just being a neighbor in the neighborhood. I've actually seen one of my neighbors let the air out of his tires of one of the cars that were parked in front of his house. I got my compressor out and filled his tire back up. And I just happened to be outside when I saw that neighbor that let the air out of the tire come back outside and look at the tire and see it reinflated, and he was shocked. I saw that same guy's son pull up in front of this, my neighbor's house, and toss trash in his yard, McDonald's bag or something like that, fast food. Now, just to be fair, you know, my, my, my neighbor friend, he was in code violation. He was breaking the rules on several occasions. But rather than have someone walk up to his door and say, maybe you should take care of this, they called the cops on him. Well, the code police. I guess what has me agitated is this whole race thing. I just don't get it. I mean, I understand it, but I don't get why it's a big deal. In my estimation, if you have any conscious awareness whatsoever... You understand that the race conversation is a surface-level conversation. It is so trivial. And that's not to say it's a trivial topic, but it's a trivial concern. To be concerned about another person's color, another person's race, as if that defines them. I believe completely that people should be judged by the content of their character. I know smart white people. I know smart black people. I know smart Asians. I know smart Indians. I also know stupid people in every one of those categories. I have the conscious awareness, the conscious knowing that the color of a person's skin has nothing to do with the content of their character, or vice versa. The content of their character has nothing to do with a person's color or a person's race. Makes no difference where they were born. One of my first jobs... I was a manager for an inner-city restaurant. It was right next to Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. 95% of my employees were black, but they were all shades of black. 
coal black, light brown, a creamy mocha. It was actually my first experience really being or working with a group of people that were different than me. And they were more rude and biased towards each other than I'd ever seen a a white person be towards a black person. That was just my personal experience. I know there's been many whites that have been horrendous to blacks. Murder, beatings, unspeakable acts. It's just that I was surprised that I would see blacks treat each other that way based on the color of their skin. They weren't dark enough. They weren't black enough. They weren't... One of them had beautiful green eyes. That meant that he wasn't really black. Not completely black. Big fucking deal. And that's exactly what I said. And then I asked, what do you see when you look at me? And he said, a white man. And I replied, that's it? You can't see that I have Irish in me. You can't see that I have German, Polish, French. You can't see that I have a teeny weeny bit of Native American. I said, I'm a mutt. I have no idea about my heritage. I have no defined heritage to fall back on. Yes, I'm white, but it doesn't define me. And yes, you're black, and that does not define you. I said, at my core, I'm a man. At your core, you're a man. I want you to act like a man. I don't want to see you treat your co-workers like that anymore. They're men too. We're all doing the best we can. So if you want to stay here, then I suggest you treat each other like men. After I said all that, I had no idea where it came from, but I was glad I said it. And from that day forward, it felt like we had a new respect for each and every one of us. I grew up in a small Midwestern town. Everyone was white. But I still saw the fight for dominance. I still saw the fight for hierarchy and picking on those less capable. Everybody I knew was white. And I had wondered at one point why I wasn't racist or haven't been racist, at least not deeply biased. And I I think it's because my dad was not. He considered every man just to be a man. And over the years, I've become a firm believer that racism is taught. Bias is taught. I don't think it occurs naturally. That is, if people of different races naturally occur or occupy the same environment. I encountered my first people of color while playing sports in basketball and track. And I can remember some of the guys on our basketball team commenting that black people have an extra muscle in their leg that allows them to jump higher. I just looked at them. I said, obviously, you've not been in biology class. But when I say my first interaction, I guess that was live, uh, was when I was late teen. In my early teens, in 1973, I saw a movie called To Sir With Love, starring Sidney Poitier. And I fell in love with him as a man, as an example of a man, as an example of a teacher. It made me want to be a teacher. Years later, when I graduated high school, I toured Europe with the United States Collegiate Wind Band. I played trombone. And I don't think it was any mistake. The universe was conspiring when it set up my roommates. One was the whitest white kid I ever met, Willie Wingert from Mackey, Idaho. And he exclaimed that he saw his first escalator and a black man at the same time in the Denver airport. 
And then my other roommate was Moses Washington, one of the blackest men I've ever seen. Coal black, dark as night black. He was beautiful. He was a drummer, and the three of us became friends. I have never laughed more in my life. And because we were roommates, we, it meant that we were rooming together at every stop. And we traveled six countries over eight weeks. And the, the only sad part of that whole experience was the fact that I've never seen them since. But Willie and Moses, they're a part of me. As you're listening to this, I'm, I'm hoping that you're questioning any biases that you may have around race, around religion, around political affiliation. And I'm vaguely aware that we're in the middle of Black History Month here in the United States. And I don't necessarily like it. Now, and I don't like it for this reason, and I agree with Morgan Freeman. He says that he doesn't want Black History Month. The same reason why I don't want a White History Month. And Morgan Freeman said it best. He said, Black history is American history. Slavery is world history. And this whole question between white and black that we're at odds uh, is ludicrous to me. When you look at history... It was white people that abolished slavery. And they just happened to be white. They were humanists. They saw the humanity of it. They saw the inhumanity of slavery. Oh, and, oh, geez. You know, I'm just, I'm realizing I'm kind of rambling here. And I don't know if I have a real point to make. It's just that I was agitated and aggravated over this whole race thing. Over the the idea that it, it warrants unfriendly behavior. My neighbor, my instigating neighbor, I was having a conversation with him about a year and a half ago, and he made reference to my neighbor across the street, the Middle Eastern neighbor, about him being stupid. And I said, you don't know him. Like, he's not stupid. He speaks three languages. He's an an aircraft mechanic. He repairs jet engines. And he has a half a dozen investment properties around the neighborhood. I don't think that qualifies as stupid. He may be different, but he's not stupid. You know, I I just had something pop in my head. Something, some of my earlier programming, early programming in my life that uh, has a lot of influence on how I see people. And when I say a lot, it means a lot. It helped shape my perception of other people and the differences between us. And at the forefront of it was a documentary, uh, a teacher, Jane Elliott. She had this social experiment called Brown Eyes, Blue Eyes. And so she set it up in her classroom that brown-eyed people were less intelligent and they were inferior to blue-eyed people. And then she set up conditions inside the classroom where brown-eyed people would be treated differently than blue eyes. And, you know, they got less recess. They couldn't go up to seconds for lunch. And I think they had to wear collars at one point so people could tell from a distance whether or not you were a blue-eyed or brown-eyed. The brown-eyed had the black collars on. And during the experiment, you could actually see the brown-eyed kids start to wilt. They started to slump in their seats. They, They had less brightness in their eyes. And then some of the blue-eyed kids started actually treating the brown-eyed kids as if they were inferior. 
Now, I should mention, I didn't mention it, but all these kids in this third grade class were white. Jane Elliott was white. But then after a day or two, she switched roles. The blue-eyed kids became the inferior bunch. The brown-eyed became the smarter kids. And the brown-eyed kids treated the blue-eyed kids with even more aggression, more contempt. In fact, I'm not going to let you listen to me talk about it. I'm going to play a clip from that documentary. When civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, grief and frustration erupted in America's cities. And far away in Iowa, one third grade teacher knew she had to do something. The shooting of Martin Luther King could not just be talked about and explained away. There was no way to explain this to little third graders in Riceville, Iowa. I knew that it was time to deal with this in a concrete way, not just talk about it, because we had talked about racism since the first day of school. Special week. Does anybody know what it is? National Brotherhood. Brotherhood. National Brotherhood Week. What's brotherhood? Be kind to your brothers. Be kind. Treat everyone the way you would like to be treated. Treat everyone as though he was your brother. brother. And is there anyone in this United States that we do not treat as our brothers? Yes. Who? The black people. Who else? In. Absolutely, the Indians. And when you see, when many people see a black person or a yellow person or a red person, what do they think? Oh, look at that. Dumb people. Look at the dumb people. What else do they think sometimes? What kinds of things do they say about black people? Oh, niggers. Niggers. In the city, many places in the United States. How are black people treated? How are Indians treated? How are people who are of a different color than we are treated? They're part of this world. They don't get anything in this world. Why is that? Because they're different color. You think you know how that would feel to be judged by the color of your skin? Yeah. Do you think you do? No, I don't think you'd know how that felt unless you had been through it, would you? (laughs) It might be interesting to judge people today by the color of their eyes. Would you like to try this? Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Since I'm the teacher and I have blue eyes, I think maybe the blue-eyed people should be on top the first day. I mean, the blue-eyed people are the better people in this room. Oh, yes, they are. Blue-eyed people are smarter than brown-eyed people. (laughs) My dad isn't that stupid. Uh, Is your dad brown-eyed? Yeah. One day you came to school and you told us that he kicked you. He did. Do you think a blue-eyed father would kick his son? My dad 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 is blue-eyed. He's never kicked me. Greg's dad is blue-eyed. He's never kicked him. Rex's dad is blue-eyed. He's never kicked him. This is a this is a fact. Blue-eyed people are better than brown-eyed people. Are you brown-eyed or blue-eyed? Blue. Why are you shaking your head? Are you sure that you're right? Why? What makes you so sure that you're right? I don't know. 
the blue-eyed people get five extra minutes of recess, while the brown-eyed people have to stay in. The brown-eyed people do not get to use the drinking fountain. You'll have to use the paper cups. You brown-eyed people are not to play with the blue-eyed people on the playground because you are not as good as blue-eyed people. Well, the brown-eyed people in this room today are going to wear collars so that we can tell from a distance what color your eyes are. On page 127? 127. Is everyone ready? Everyone but Laurie. Ready, Laurie? She's a brown-eyed. She's a brown-eyed. You'll begin to notice today that we spend a great deal of time waiting for brown-eyed people. The yardstick's gone. Well, okay. I don't see the yardstick, do you? Hey, Mrs. Lincoln, you better keep that on your desk so if the um, brown people, brown-eyed people get out of hand. Oh, you think if the brown-eyed people get out of hand, that would be the thing to use? Who goes first to lunch? The blue-eyed people. No brown-eyed people go back for seconds. Blue-eyed people may go back for seconds. Brown-eyed people do not. Don't you know? They're not smart. Is that the only reason? Might take too much. Okay, quietly. And it seemed like when we were down on the bottom, everything bad was happening to us. The way they treated you, you felt like you didn't even want to try to do anything. It seemed like Mrs. Elliot was taking our best friends away from us. What happened at recess? Were two of you boys fighting? Yeah. Russell and John. What happened, John? Russell called me names and I hit him. Hit him in the gut. What did he call you? Brown eyes. Did you call him brown eyes? They always call us that. What's wrong with being called brown eyes? It means that we're stupid and well, not that. Oh, that's just the same way as other people call uh, black people niggers. Is that the reason you hit him, John? Did it help? Did it stop him? Did it make you feel better inside? Makes you feel better inside? It make you feel better to call him brown eyes? Why do you suppose you call him brown eyes? Right, because he has brown eyes. Is that the only reason? He didn't call him brown eyes yesterday, and he had brown eyes yesterday. Didn't he? Because we get snow. Yeah, we said you put those blue rings on there. Tease them. Can tease them. Oh, is this teasing? No. Well, he did it. Were you doing it for fun, to be funny, or were you doing it to be mean? I don't know. Don't ask me. 
Did anyone laugh at you when you did I watched what had been marvelous, cooperative, wonderful, thoughtful children turn into nasty, vicious, discriminating little third graders in a space of 15 minutes. Yesterday, I told you that brown-eyed people aren't as good as blue-eyed people. That wasn't true. I lied to you yesterday. The truth is that brown-eyed people are better than blue-eyed people. <laughs> Russell, where are your glasses? I forgot them. You forgot them, and what color are your eyes? Blue. <laughs> Susan Ginder has brown eyes. She didn't forget her glasses. Yeah. Russell Ring has blue eyes, and what about his glasses? He forgot them. He forgot them. Yesterday we were visiting, and Greg said, Boy, I like to hit my little sister as hard as I can. That's fun. What does that tell you about blue-eyed people? The brown-eyed people may take off their collars, and each of you may put your collar on a blue-eyed person. The brown-eyed people get five extra minutes of recess. You blue-eyed people are not allowed to be on the playground equipment at any time. You blue-eyed people are not to play with the brown-eyed people. Brown-eyed people are better than blue-eyed people. They're smarter than blue-eyed people. And if you don't believe it, look at Brian. Do blue-eyed people know how to sit in a chair? Very sad. Very, very sad. Who can tell me what contraction should be in the first sentence? Go to the board and write it, John. <laughs> Come on, let's do it again. Loosen up. Up, up, up. Come on. That's better now. Do you know how to make a W? Okay, write the contraction for we are. Now that's beautiful writing. Is that better? Yeah. Brown-eyed people learn fast, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Boy, do brown-eyed people learn fast. Very good. Greg, what did you do with that cup? Will you please go and get that cup and put your name on it and keep it at your desk? Blue-eyed people are wasteful. Okay, you want to be timed this morning? Yeah. A. I use Orton Gillingham phonics. We use the card pack. And the children, the brown-eyed children, were in the low class the first day. And it took them five and a half minutes to get through the card pack. The second day, it took them two and a half minutes. The only thing that had changed was the fact that now they were superior people. You went faster than I ever had anyone go through the card pack. Why, why couldn't you get them yesterday? We were doing collars on. You think the collars kept you? We just keep thinking about those collars. Oh. I can't like, and I might, I get rolling around. Oh, and you couldn't think as well with the collars on. Well. Four minutes and 18 seconds. I knew we weren't going to make it. How long did it take you yesterday? 
Three minutes. How long did it take you today? Four minutes and eighteen seconds. What happened? One down. Why? What were you thinking of? This. I hate today. Um, you do. I hate too. <laughs> because I'm blue-eyed. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> It's nothing, it's not funny, it's not fun, it's not pleasant. This is a filthy, nasty word called discrimination. We're treating people a certain way because they are different from the rest of us. Is that fair? No. no. Nothing fair about it. We didn't say this was going to be a fair day, did we? No. And it isn't. It's a horrid day. Okay, you ready? What did you blue people who are wearing blue collars now find out today? Oh, you feel I know what they felt like yesterday. Should the color of some other person's eyes have anything to do with no. how you treat them? No. no. All right, then should the color of their skin? No. no. Should you judge people no. by the color no. of their skin? No. no. You're going to say that today and this week and probably all the time you're in this room. He'll say, no, Mrs. Elliot. Every time I ask that question, no, then no, when you see... A black man, or an Indian, or someone walking down the street. Are you going to say, <laughs> "Look at that silly-looking thing"? No. Does it make any difference whether their skin is black or white, no. or yellow, no. or red? No. Is that how you decide whether people are good or bad? No. Is that what makes people good or bad? No. Let's take these collars off. Hey. What would you like to do with them? Throw them around. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Eat them, Mr. Don't eat them like great. Now you know a little bit more than you knew at the beginning of this week. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Do you know a little bit more than you wanted to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't an easy way to learn this, is it? No. here together. Blue eyes and brown eyes. Does it make any difference what color you are? No. No. Down, girl. Make any difference in the kind of person you no. are? No, Mrs. Does that feel like being home again, girls? This was the third time Jane Elliott had taught her lesson in discrimination. The first, two years earlier, was in April of 1968. 
on the day after Martin Luther King was killed, my, one of my students came into the room and said, they shot a king last night, Mrs. Elliott. Why'd they shoot that king? I knew the night before that it was time to deal with this in a concrete way, not just talk about it, because we had talked about racism since the first day of school. But the shooting of Martin Luther King, who had been one of our heroes of the month in February, could not just be talked about and explained away. There was no way to explain this to little third graders in Riceville, Iowa. You say that all whites are racist. Can you explain? Expound on that, please. Any, any white person who was born, raised, and schooled in the United States of America, if you aren't a racist, you're a miracle. Either that or you decided to educate yourself. Because education in this country is about white is right, brown's all right, black's got to stand back. Yellow's mellow, but whites, we, we educate in a way that says that white males have done all the adventures, have made all the adventures, have done all the discovering, have made all, and everything that is good and has been accomplished has been accomplished according to social studies, which is actually anti-social studies, by white males. It's a lie. But we do that in order to maintain the myth of white superiority. The myth of race has to be maintained at all costs in this country. Because if white people have to give up the color of their skin as being something that makes them perfect, what do they have left? If we start teaching the truth about history, if we start teaching about Nile Valley contributions to civilization, it will totally change the way we conduct ourselves in the classroom. It will have to. Columbus didn't discover America. You can't discover a place where people are already living. But we celebrate that every October. It's a lie. We need to stop telling the myths and start telling the truth. So when you tell people that they're racist, and it, it must have some kind of effect because most people will say, I'm not racist. I'm not a racist. Why? Some of my best friends are black. Right. Yeah. And then you say, name one. <laughs> or this one. I don't see color. And when some woman says to me, I don't see color, I say, I knew that if you saw color, you wouldn't dye your hair that way. Or I say, if you, didn't, if you saw color, you wouldn't wear that shirt with those pants. I believe that you don't see color. It's an attempt to deny skin color. And it's attempt, an attempt to deny what's wrong with seeing the color of my skin. Is it all right for you to see me kind of pink? That's okay for me. I don't mind. And I suspect that you don't mind being seen the color you are. You have a right to be what you are. And until people in this country and people in this world get it into their heads that the first modern human beings that evolved on this earth were black women. They evolved in sub-Saharan Africa about 280,000 years ago. And every human being on the face of the earth today runs the has the memory of those black women's genetic structure in their genes. Now, we don't want to admit that, but that's the way it is. And people, as people move farther and farther from the equator, their bodies produce less and less melanin, so their hair, their skin, and their eyes got lighter. As they moved into the east, they ate a lot of fish and a lot of vegetables, so their skin took on a different tone. I found, I found that out when I was raising little kids. My husband worked in a supermarket. He, had, he was the head of the produce department. And they had lots of oranges that they couldn't sell, so he'd bring them home. And I was feeding my kids orange juice like you never saw in your life. They began to have an orange cast to their skin. I thought they had something, a little problem. So I took her to the doctor, and she said, what are you feeding these kids? I said, well, lots of orange juice. She said, stop it if you want them to stop being orange. Now, if you think that skin color isn't anything other than the body's natural reaction to the natural environment, get over it. So if all white people are racist... 
according to you, can they be reprogrammed? Of course they can. Of course they can. Of How? course they can be. It's called education. I'm an educator. The word educator comes from the root duck deuce, which means lead. The prefix e, which means out. The suffix ate, which means the act of. And the suffix or, which means one who does. An educator is one who is engaged in the act of leading people out of ignorance. Jane Elliott is amazing. I saw this documentary some 50-plus years ago, and it changed me forever. You can watch the documentary yourself by going to YouTube and looking up A Class Divided, the full documentary. If you listen to this episode to the end, I admire you. I commend you. Many people left early on once I started talking about race. So kudos to you to wanting to be educated. After all, this podcast is about expanding your conscious awareness, expanding your knowledge, and expanding your expression in the world. So if you want to take your education a step further, I suggest you do watch the documentary. Question yourself, where are you judging other people based on trivial information? Where are you standing up and where are you not standing up for others? I thank you and I appreciate you. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 